Hey, I'm Grace Nichols, the Kinship Minister for Soul Force, and you're listening to our new podcast, Go With Grace, responding to white Christian supremacy with resistance and resilience. Soul Force works to end the religious and political oppression of LGBTQI people by decloaking the ideologies of Christian supremacy and healing our community's spirits from weaponized religion. We build radical analysis, political education, and spiritual power for activists across all social justice movements wherever the work is threatened by white supremacy and Christian fundamentalism. We believe that our movements will only win if we can eradicate the ideological system that moralizes and justifies wide-scale violence and injustice, also known as white Christian supremacy. Therefore, our goal is to seed all our movements with a working knowledge of white Christian supremacy, how it functions, and the tools to combat it. We're going to get into it, y'all, and we're going to go with grace. Hello, hello. Before getting into the content of episode three, I just want to acknowledge that the world is so rough right now. It feels really hard to do anything. I'm so grateful to have a job and I'm continuously still astounded that any of us are being asked to work at all nowadays. Um, It feels like capitalism's chokehold is so deep. And I hope that y'all are taking breaks when you can, um, being really gentle with yourselves. I am right there with you. I'm struggling to get through most days and uh, just doing the best I can. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. I'm going to include in the show notes a few links to some things that have helped me over the past few weeks. Just a couple of things that have given me hope or helped me feel grounded. They are the Hymn of Healing by Beautiful Chorus. An episode of Prentice Hemphill's podcast, Finding Our Way on Navigating Conflict with Kazu Haga. And an episode of the Laura Flanders Show with Dr. Eddie S. Gloud Jr. Discussing his latest publication, a book called Begin Again, James Baldwin's America and its Urgent Lessons for Our Own. It's a beautiful conversation and I really appreciated the encouragement to move toward a public infrastructure of care and to interrogate what has destabilized us and what can we do to facilitate safety and security for everyone, especially when whiteness and wealth are not dictating the standards of value. I think I'm going to try to keep doing that for each episode moving forward. Just include a thing or two that has helped me get through a day. You can also subscribe to Soul Force's newsletter, 
which comes out monthly, and we always include a resistance and resilience section showcasing the fortifying and uplifting things we see happening in the world. And we do that because, like I said at the beginning of the episode, life is really hard, and an actual strategy of white Christian supremacy is to keep us feeling hopeless, defeated, and disconnected. So through this podcast and Soul Force, we intentionally orient toward that which is healing and facilitates resilience as a counter strategy. We are never in denial of how difficult and oppressive the world is, and we choose to confront oppression head on by building a sharp political analysis to spirit work, connection, and gentleness with one another, and by bringing attention to that which is beautiful and wondrous. It definitely feels really cheesy, uh, maybe even naive at times. It's certainly awkward, uh, sometimes also feels unrealistic, but white Christian supremacy, capitalism, patriarchy, and all the other isms and phobias truly want us to give up. So we choose joy. And when we center our well-being and the well-being of our communities, we are simultaneously fighting back against oppression while building a healed and sustainable world. So I ground us in all of that because the conversation topic of today is quite difficult. It's the recorded conversation of the Soul Force staff discussing the film Pray Away, a newly released film on Netflix directed by, directed and produced by Christine Stalakis, with executive producers being Jason Bloom and Ryan Murphy. The film showcases a few of the leaders of the original ex-gay and conversion therapy movement, particularly the efforts of Exodus International. Uh, before those folks came to terms with who they really are and the harm they were causing by trying to convince so many people that being gay was something someone could pray away. The film also follows a leader in the contemporary ex-gay movement, a person named Jeffrey, who is claiming to have found real truth in Christ over being trans, so strong content warning and spoiler alert for the film and our conversation. The discussion we had was a raw conversation and literally directly after most of us had seen the film for the first time. We talk about the lack of black, indigenous, and other people of color representation, the difficulty of witnessing Jeffrey regurgitate some of the same hateful and self-hating rhetoric of the original ex-gay movement, and what other things we would have liked to see in the film. Is it the most radical, expansive, or inclusive film? No. Is it valuable? Certainly. There's definitely value in recognizing you're not alone in an experience. 
many of us had had similar experiences of being kicked out of a faith community or a family, hearing a preacher condemn us to hell, or even being simply scolded for expressing ourselves authentically. There's incredible value in naming how this harm is operationalized and deployed in such a prolific way. It's powerful to see others who were also gaslit and lied to to feel utterly terrible about themselves. And there's definitely a sense of relief to learn that there's nothing wrong with you. Although the feature of Jeffrey, the leader of the contemporary ex-gay movement, makes that message a little unclear to me. The fact that Jeffrey is featured and the large network that looks sort of kind of like modern and diverse, um, this network that he's building, it makes it seem like praying away your identities is also kind of a viable option and you just have to be faithful and push back against the haters i i don't think the filmmakers were trying to uplift jeffrey's take as okay or good but the casual way that that person's story was presented was triggering enough to not be hopeful and i think confusing for those who might be on the fence as to whether conversion therapy is an option for them or not. We had a lot of critiques of the film, and I think they're all valid, but as I did a bit more research, I felt my own understanding of the film was sort of rounded out. And so I want to bring attention to a couple of things. Uh, firstly, the director's statement uh, listed on the website dates my ultimate goal is to tell the truth of the Pray the Gay Away movement's enduring harm. So context is important. Because of Soul Force's orientation towards hope and healing, that's what we were looking for and hoping for. But it's important to note that that wasn't necessarily the point of the film. And while that's not the most uplifting thing, it is an incredibly important step in exposing the harms of conversion therapy and the strategy of the movement, the pseudoscience that was incredibly damaging for so many people. Furthermore, just like white Christian supremacy would have it, these harms really thrive in secrecy and manipulation, so it's important that we talk about what actually happened. The film's creators acknowledge the difficulty of the film and provide a mental health and discussion resource on the film's website. I'll be sure to include that link in the show notes as well. Secondly, I also listened to a really great conversation with the director Christine Stalakis and producer Jess Devaney on a filmmaking podcast called The Art of the Frame, hosted by Ron Dawson. I found it really insightful, and I also will bluntly say that the creators seem to have a much deeper and nuanced political analysis than I think the film conveys. So as an 
aspiring filmmaker and creator of many things, I'll broadly say that there are so many aspects that go into the creation of a thing and a million choices a director and production team have to make. So in listening to the conversation with the filmmakers, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit and say it sounded like they were moving in a way that actually aligns with how Soul Force likes to move, which is uh, in relationship and in an ethical way. And it seems like the people in the film that were featured were based on uh, choices that perhaps best aligned with the relationships that the filmmakers had. And interestingly, um, because I think there were, there were predominantly white folks at the helm, uh, the lack of BIPOC representation could be attributed to the fact that um, the story of BIPOC faith communities uh, was not exactly theirs to tell. That's my broad, grace-infused take. Uh, could they have invited other BIPOC queer people of faith to be involved? Sure. And I think things like production schedules, time, funding, and um, in addition to whatever relationships they might have had, also most likely played a huge role in the final product of the film. Things that may have been outside of the filmmaker's purview, but well within Soul Forces, is that Exodus International may have dissolved uh, within the United States, but an organization called Exodus Global Alliance is a direct continuation of Exodus International that still promotes conversion therapy and the healing from homosexuality through Jesus Christ, uh, predominantly throughout Latin America. That organization is very active today. Uh, these repressive white Christian supremacist ideals get exported to other countries. And then another thing that happens is that these other countries with predominantly black and brown populations get vilified as more homophobic or transphobic when in reality it is the western white christian ideals that have infiltrated and colonized these countries and have made them that way uh rick warren a pastor and writer of the famous christian guidebook a purpose driven life um and his influence on the Kill the Gays bill in Uganda is another example of that. In 2016, Soul Force had a subversive campaign in which bookmarks containing information on Rick Warren's harmful policy impact on the lives of LGBTQ people in the United States and in Africa were distributed for people to place them in copies of A Purpose Driven Life, or in any book really, in bookstores and libraries across the country. Later, Rick Warren denounced the death-dealing bill in Uganda, but that wasn't until after a lot of public pressure. 
another connection is that Soul Force was a co-sponsor of the very first Beyond X Gay conference in Irvine, California in 2007. The Beyond X Gay movement happened when many of the leaders of the X Gay movement came forward to acknowledge who they are and to attempt to correct all of the harm that they had created when pushing conversion therapy. In short, Soul Force has been pushing back against the harms featured in this film for a very long time. Over the years, we've grown to balance out our work by naming what is harmful and also naming what is possible on the other side of healing and transformation. In this recorded Soul Force staff conversation, you'll hear my voice, the voices of our comms herald, Asada de la Cruz, our new admin director, Megan Sharkey, and co-executive director, Reverend Alba Onofrio, uh, as well as board member, Cole Park West. Thanks so much again for tuning in. Please take care of yourself as you listened, and especially if you choose to watch the film. Here's our recorded conversation directly after watching Pray Away. Hmm. Hello. All look like we just came back from war <laughs> with our armor of God on. <laughs> Uh-huh. It felt so familiar. I was like, I have been, even though I never experienced like conversion therapy per se or anything like that, it was just like that setting feels so familiar. So, so, so familiar. The language too, especially. It's like everybody's speaking from the same script. I have some deep questions about they like at the end they were saying like the even this form like the structure of the testimony and I'm like I would like to know what the structure of the testimony is like teach me what that is I would like to know that seems like it would be useful to us in the world I wonder if we should reach out to that person yes I was yeah I was trying to just clock all the strategies and um that feels really key. <sighs> yeah, it would be interesting to really identify that those specific formulas that they use, and particularly like the mind tricks um, and how they really know how to tap into people's fears and insecurities and like capitalize in a certain way that will sway people into believing a certain thing or doing a certain thing. And their target audience is always people that are already feeling isolated and alone. And so they definitely prey on that because those people are searching for some type of community. And so they're like bringing them in like, hey, like we're your family. We love and care about you and finally giving them a community. So it's like, that's definitely intentional. Mm-hmm. I think the thing about belonging, I mean, I feel like my whole life in some ways is just about 
belonging and trying to figure it out and trying to, you know, figure out what that means for me. And, but it is so, I just am like always reminded that there is this orientation around like whatever I have to give up to belong is a small price to pay. And, and whatever it is that I have to give up in order to belong, whether it's like, I have to be a leader. So I have to perform at this particular way in order to be recognized as special, even for Jeffrey, who was like, I had to, my whole identity had to be about being trans because in this community it is your identity that allows you to belong. And so you have to really like live into whatever that whatever that person's idea of what that identity was and it's just a very interesting it reinforces for me joss and i have always said like may so may soul force never be the cool kids club and part of that is around this orientation of like may we never be this kind of space where it's like you really have to sacrifice parts of yourself on the altar of belonging um because we're just like, it's, it should be okay to be weirdos and just to be loved exactly who you are. And like, you know, whatever your random assortment of <laughs> things are that make you you. But even in our movement, there is this like coolness factor of like, oh, you're cooler if you this thing or that thing. And so it makes me very mindful. Were there any things that were hard for people? Like, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this thing or I found this other like contrary position really compelling or anything like that. That uh, warrior chant section is, was especially hard and was just like so overstimulating. And I was thinking about being in that room and like, and being in rooms similar to that. So that is was definitely a hard moment for me. And then I forget what the scene shifted to, but it wasn't like an easy, you know, how like some filmmakers will like flip to an easy thing to help process. I also came out to the garden partway through to help and can share some nice and going marigolds. Marigolds, ancestor plants. Those are my favorite flowers. Mm, yes, they've got a great orange and like red hue. Anyways, hi Cole. Hey y'all. Hey. We were just um, sharing some of the moments that were most like that either were particularly hard or that were particularly compelling. Um, I think all of us in the staff chat were like utterly heartbroken by Jeffrey and his narrative throughout the, throughout Jeffrey, the Jeffrey's the one that leads the Freedom March. Mm -hmm. Yeah, likewise. Uh, yeah, I kept waiting, like everybody else had their like kind of come to Jesus moment. And I was like, you know, when they all gathered in the basement to like prep for the Freedom March, I was like, oh, everybody's so gay. Cool. They finally came around. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. The thing I think is sticking with me is like, I wanted so deeply to connect and offer mercy and 
condolences and forgiveness to all of those leaders who were like, I did so much harm and I'm so wrong. And also was like, no, fuck, like, no, fuck, no. (laughs) Just recognizing, like, putting people on pedestals and how fucking dangerous that is and how important, even, like, for me personally in my own life, how important humility is. I just need to, like, keep that always very close. I think I did end up having or wanting to extend a lot of grace to those people just because when the comments I made to y'all about at the event, how it was mostly little children that were there. So like these people have been brainwashed essentially literally their entire lives. So it wasn't that like they knew what they were doing was wrong and so they went out there and did it anyway. Like they genuinely thought that they were doing the right thing. So I think that's why it's easier for me to extend grace to them or it could be that I need to take Grace's advice in the podcast more about setting up boundaries with Grace. So I'm not sure which one. <laughs> it feels like a very like yes and and all the things. And like it's I I think it's Miriam Kaba could be someone else, but it was like, you know, like the first time somebody causes harm, it's not their first experience with harm. So it's like they also were clearly very harmed in all of and everything that they did. I mean, even if it was presented as innocent or good or like well-intentioned, like they, yeah, just like you said, Asada, like really brainwashed into like self-hatred, self-harm. Um, yeah, those were definitely the more difficult parts for me as well. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, how how do we, um, like, uh, create other practices of, like, physically, I mean, like, when I, like, cook for myself, like, that's an act of self-care, but, like, are there, in her description of that experience, it felt, like, ritualized in a way, and what are the, like, ritual options that we have that don't start with self-harm? Yeah, it reminded me of what we talked about yesterday, Alba, around like the groundwater and these sort of moral buy-ins as far as like all of this messaging that we are bad. And if we didn't have that messaging, we actually wouldn't be in conflict. So yeah, it feels like really trying to figure out to more widely spread complicated messages of humanness and divinity because it's like we just want to complicate all the things like it's so flat to say that like you like you have to choose like Jesus or being gay or any of like that binary stuff that just I mean I feel like it just like leaves so many people feeling like there are no other options and that's where the deeper harm is caught I liked the word you used there, Grace, flat, to describe, like, the plane of existence that white Christian supremacy wants people to, like, stick to. These are, this is your option. You can follow, like, two courses, maybe. And that's it. Right, and I think they they, they talked about that in the film around, like, really just wanting people to, like, fit in these boxes but just like as we saw like as we watched everybody in the film everybody looks 
so gay. Like we see ourselves, like we see y'all. I often talk about white supremacy and white Christian supremacy also really function on this like insistence of dissonance. Shit that does not make sense. They're like, from the beginning, that one person just being asked, so you're ex-gay? And he's like, yes. <laughs> like, we can see you lying right here. Like, we see you. And it's this insistence that that's fine. That like, whatever discomfort and dissonance exists in people's bodies and spirits, that's fine. And that's, I mean, and also probably attributed to like, obedience or what have you. Oh, so rough. Another thing that I really hated was always pushing this narrative of that people are gay because of some sort of trauma they went through and how they kept trying to like push that into Julie's narrative. But what they fail to say is that, yes, a lot of LGBTQ people have been through trauma, but it's been because of what they're doing. It's because they have been trying to live their lives as someone that they're not. That's where that trauma comes from, not from them being gay. And so I just wish they would stop with that narrative. And also acknowledge that like lots of straight people go through trauma too. <laughs> it's not, not unique to the queers. <laughs> Like there should be way more of us. If this is a one-to-one correlation, I think right, it's like right. three out of five women, two out of four men. Like, you know, we should just be the majority by far. There's also this thing. I'm like, God, there's something so intense about this moment of like, I'm actually fine. So like, yeah, there you get to have this moment where you're fine, but the other like, the intersections that so many of us live around race, around class, around gender, around a zillion other fucking things, that moment of like, I'm actually fine, I think is, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish her struggle because she like was born into this shit. So it was like literally all around her. But I do think there's something about like, how do we get to that moment where like, I am I am fine just the way I am. And it's the systems around me that make it not fine because I'm actually like in danger and not God hating me. So I'm not sure what the answer is that, but it just like feels like it requires a lot of other setups in life to be, (laughs) to be that way. Yeah. I get that. And that's why I wish there would have been better representation that like everyone in the movie wasn't white middle-class person because obviously our experiences are going to be a lot different than that um i'm uh, da, da, the one of the things that like just like gut punched me was um jeffrey's commentary about like mutilating bodies um it was one of the things that like like really really destroyed me in my previous work just like that like like absorbing that narrative over and over again like that I was mutilating like I'm somebody who's had top surgery so like you know I um like there's that like narrative that I think we often like reach for of like we are fine just the way we are and like sometimes it's okay to want to like change our bodies um, yeah, and I, like, I don't, yeah, I don't know, I, I guess, like, just the way we are as, like, our, like, beautiful spirit selves, um, but I'm just, like, feeling cautious about, like, how that, like, 
a particular narrative can ultimately be used against some of our family. Yeah, I'm, um, I've been thinking about that same uh, narrative for a, a while now. And I'm not trans and therefore I've never said this publicly and don't know if I would because I'm always super dubious of creating any narratives. But in my, in my mind, <laughs> I feel like, yes, it, I buy into the narrative that God doesn't make mistakes and I buy into the narratives that we are amazing and our bodies are amazing and all those things. But in Christian language, we live in a fallen world. And so we can't actually know what it would, what trans people's experiences would be if our bodies weren't connected to binaries, if our bodies weren't connected to expectations around who we love and what we wear and what we do with our bodies and like how we be ourselves in our fullness. If that wasn't built on this male, female thing, then I don't think any of us can know what would be different or not be different, but that doesn't, for me, that's like, we live in this world right now where we are like literally squashed into these tiny boxes and anything that any of us need to do to feel like we can live this life in our best, most authentic form in this like world that is so oppression, then like that is, then anything that allows us to do that medical wise, mental health-wise, community-wise, sex-wise, love-wise, anything that allows us to live more fully into the vision of what God created for our lives and spirits in this system and in this world that is so, like, twisted and contorted away from, like, the fullness of just living and being free, then I believe that that is, like, God's blessing in every possible way and that it's something that everybody should have access to and a right to a right to like not only self-determination but all of the, the things that allow us to live more fully into that self-determination but I don't even think we can know like the same way why I love that I like love that narrative and feel like we need to lift it up more in broader circles it's like Julie said something like this moment where I realized that it all this self-hate was a product of a system and a culture that taught me to hate myself <laughs> was like right it's easier to believe that there's something wrong with me when that is the message from all around and it's it's a bigger chunk to buy off to be like oh this entire shit is set up to put me into this place where I hate myself and yet you have this you who created the systems also have the solutions Anyway, swirly still, but that's where my thoughts go. I'm with you, Cole. I'm, yeah, still trying to, yeah, think through, process through those, that moment in the film as well. I think I overall liked the arc of this film. Um, the opening was very difficult, um, but I do think it definitely could have ended in a, with a lot more resource or even hope it, it felt like it was just kind of like homophobia you know if it exists then people will continue to be homophobic um which 
Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, and I think there are lots of orgs like ours who are trying to counter that hopelessness, at least, that there are lots of other possibilities. Yeah, I resonate with that, Grace, just like wishing, wishing for like more of a, I don't know, I need like a part two, like these are like, yeah, here's how we heal. Here's how we transform this. I don't know if anybody else has a like sending out kind of go around, but one thing that came to mind was like, what do you think? What, like, okay, we, we all know this narrative. Some of us have lived through it. What is, what should, what should they have included? What would you say to us, each other, <laughs> to the world in light of like that reality that we just watched? And some of us have lived. What are our messages? What are our hopes? Like, I don't know about specifically in the film, but the uh, poignant moment for me was just like recognizing that this is this is one script. This is one option in the way to go about your life, and it's one of many. And that was really a, a mind turner and a game changer for me. And I think the film somehow like floats over that. Like is it's, it's too, it's a lot of extremes. Like everything they show you on this screen is just extreme. And I think we kind of alluded to just the diversity that they missed or didn't uplift. I think going back to that idea of the diversity that they missed, um, still with basically only having an all white cast, um, because especially within, I feel within black church communities, there's so much religious trauma, but because that's not ever represented in any film that I've ever seen, it just gets brushed under the rug. And like, it gets accepted that that's just part of black culture because we don't see it being called out in movies like this. So I wish they would have had more people of color. I think my message or my like hope would be for like um, the orientation that feeling good in your body and feeling the idea of like this brokenness um, that kept coming up around brokenness and brokenness. I just, there's something about like brokenness can like is part of our experience as humans in a broken system world etc um but there's a way there's a possibility of like loving that brokenness that that has as part of it deep joy and deep pleasure and deep love that is actually closer to the manifestation of the divine that makes sense for me, and I wish that joy, this movie was really heavy and I wish that there was more of just that feeling of like, what does it feel like, not just to find your one person and be in the holy sacrament of marriage or whatever they were using is that like metaphor that was the wedding stuff. 
again, diversifying the scripts of being like, God is just so much more possible. It's so much more likely that God is so much more than these very small things that we've been taught in these scripts. And joy and pleasure is alluring because it is part of what the divine wants for our lives. Um, that's, yeah, that's a lot of what I'm thinking about too, of just like, there's sort of this like trauma porn orientation about like, that's what's gonna motivate people to like fight for liberation. <laughs> like, what if, what if we like pulled people in because they saw like how, how good it is? Like, I love being queer. <laughs> it's great. I'm like, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I just spotted Mab Segrist and Annie Segrist and Annie's baby walking by. Um, yeah, look at that queer spawn coming through, you know, like, um, yeah. Irresistible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yes, same. Um, exactly all those things was thinking exactly that. Like, I just love being queer. I'm just like so thankful to be queer. <laughs> and um, even though it was like a journey out of feeling like that was wrong or that there's only a couple of options, it, it's like, I feel like we live in such a more exciting world. Like there's just like so much more possibility Again, not like the nine that we've had a hard time, but if we were completely to reorient, that feels like a game changer. Yeah, I like that idea. Like, let's reclaim broken. Like, what's your version of broken? Broken is beautiful. Broken is like how the light gets in, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> all um, right, I love y'all. Love you all. Thank you for letting me jump in. Thanks for yes. this time. Take Reach care. out if y'all need any more support. Yes, please. Bye. Well, there you have it. I'm so grateful for y'all's time. We are three episodes in and would love to hear how we're doing. What do y'all think? What are some questions you might have? Maybe some things you'd be interested in hearing from us. Please email grace at soulforce.org on our website www.soulforce.org you can sign up for our newsletter and we are at soulforce.org on all social media platforms until next time sending you big big love may you find ways to embrace your brokenness and let the light in, lightness as in levity and healing, and may you go with grace. Thanks, y'all. Take care. <laughs>